This is exactly right. Forgive me for interrupting. I'm Bridger Weiniger, host of I Said No Gifts on Exactly Right. Each week, I invite my favorite people in comedy over to chat, and they always bring a gift. We're coming up on our 200th episode, and every episode is a gem. I have welcomed all kinds of great guests, including Cola Scola, Bowen Yang, Robbie Hoffman. It goes on and on and on. And you don't want to miss the 200th episode with the great Maria Bamford. What does she bring me? Find out April 25th. New episodes every Thursday. Follow I Said No Gifts wherever you get your podcasts. Scotty, you ready? Oh, I'm ready. We're our first solo in 2024. I cannot wait to laugh and laugh and laugh. Well, this is right up there. This is because... Mm. It's the new year. This For this year, article, here it is. Partiers okay. attempt to celebrate New Year's Eve twice with flights between time zones accidentally land in wrong year. Well, that's awesome. I think that they tried to do something amazing, so I'm all for this. Um, take a little trip with us on this silly little podcast we call Bananas. Guys, gals, non-binary pals, welcome to the Bananas Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Kurt Brownoller. That's right, and I'm the shorter host, uh, Banana Boy number two, Scotty Landis. Thanks for tuning in to the silliest little podcast there ever was. I think this is our third New Year's Eve doing bananas. If you're new to the pod, it's strange news, which is all true. It's storytelling mm-hmm. from Critty B and I, which is all true. And we have wonderful guests. And sometimes we don't, like this episode today. It's just Curdy B and I. Scotty, how how are you? It is we, we are we are just it's been a days month. away uh, mm. from ringing in the new year. Um, mm. how are you feeling about the new year? where are you? Wildly ambitious. Great. I I want this year to be amazing. I think a lot of people have dread for some obvious reasons. Um, but I think this is the year we turn it all around. <laughs> I think this is the year we put the last three garbage years behind us. We all just grab the reins of life and gallop on the stallion that is fun and joy. I remember, I think it, I, I, I'm trying to, I want to pinpoint the year that I stopped, like, because it, it used to be every New Year's Eve, I would get together with my friends. Mm. And as we're getting drunk, as we're getting going into, and I'd be like, you know what? Next year, everybody, mm. next year's our year. Next year's this is it. This is it. This is the big one. And I want to pinpoint exactly the year that my right. optimism for the future evaporated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where I no longer say this is going to be my year because I know I've already, I'm already on the other side of all of the the best things. Other than like you're a realist, yeah, I'm, I'm being a realist, you know, at this point where I'm just like, you know what, we're gonna get through this next one. We're gonna do it. I, I don't know, man. I think the day you um load Gus's dorm room full of furniture <laughs> and you and Lauren get in a car together and drive back to Los Angeles, you're going to be like, this is our year. <laughs> this is it. Now we have total freedom again. We but, did it. We got our kids to the college finish line. If that even means anything, but you don't, 15, under, but you don't years. even understand. Like even when I do that, right. Then mm. because of that, because of the way the the evil way parenting works, I will then just be sad. Like that will simply be a sad day for me. Even though right now all I want is for them to go to college now at six and four years old. (laughs) I would love for them to go to college. Go two weeks to college, Mm -hmm. kids. And it would I would be rejuvenated like a little daisy. I have had children in my home Mm. since December sixteenth. Uh, that that's when like a long LAUSD way. ended December 16th and doesn't go back to school until January 8th. And so it is 23 days of nonstop yeah. parenting. Like, it's like lockdown all over it's again. So, it's so exhausting with, the t- with two children who are still trying to build empathy. 
Yes. And the idea of it, just trying to kill each other at all times. Yeah, aren't you glad you don't have, like, when I see families with six children, or know. eight children, or ten, I'm like, what is happening? What is How happening? How did you do this? What? How do you, hand, I don't, I'm broken, and then, like, we, we paid for this, like, That's so funny. we paid for day camp for today and tomorrow. Smart. Like, thinking, like, okay, because we do have some work that we need to get done. We're not getting any work that we need to get no. done done. It's just nope. immediately sucked up by the th- like all this maintenance, life maintenance that we haven't done. Anyway, I don't. I'm not here to complain. Bananas isn't about no. complaining. But thank you. I want to let to let every parent out there, if you're listening to the pod, I understand you and I feel you. That's right, and I want to let all the um, people who don't have children and never will know that great choice. Yep. you're doing excellent. <laughs> don't worry about what anybody in your life exactly. says. It seems like the greatest thing you can do. Do you have a New Year's resolution, or were you too exhausted to even go down that path? I'm doing dry January. Me too. Um, so I think you're doing like, are you doing fifty? I might do dry 69, which is 69 <laughs> days. And then if any of the bananas want to do a dry 69, which I think it ends up being March 11th, uh-huh. would be the last day of not drinking, um, I will make some bumper stickers that say, I have mastered dry 69. And oh, my God. Yeah, 69 days of no alcohol. Oh, my God. I have mastered dry 69 <laughs> is so funny. That's great. God damn it. Yeah. You're smart. I'm going to do that. And then my other one, because, you know, I also want to have a bananas one, is I am going to pet 100 dogs this year. I'm already, I already pet Oso on New Year's Eve. Okay. And I already petted uh, my neighbor's dog over here, Oscar. So I have 98 dogs to go. In the are you recording all of their names? Correct. You are. Okay. Can uh, I, so Zelda will be on the list. Can I make you a website? Sure. All right. Make me a simple website and I will list every dog I pet. Uh, 100 dogs and dry 69. That's going to be my year. Okay, so uh, my <laughs> my my New Year's religion will make make a website for Scotty for what should let's see what um what the website should be called. Let's maybe like um hold on. yeah um Scotty's 100 dogs um Scotty's mm-hmm. petting um yeah Scotty's Heavy Scotty's getting petting. Scotty's getting petting. Okay, I get. I like Scotty's getting petting. And we'll just. It'll be very boring. It'll be a website with literally just a list of dog names. If I remember to take a photo of the dog or a video while I do it, I'll. I'll try to. Oh, I wonder if you can get dot dog. Oh, I hope so. I'm gonna try it. Let's see. Scotty's getting petting dot dog. Let's see. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah! Come on, go daddy. Let me know. Oh. Also, we need to shout out oh, Tori Oh, hell Hemsa. yeah. This domain is available. Okay, good. <laughs> good. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Nobody wants Scotty's getting petting.dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. So I'll just, I'll, I'll finish that up after the podcast. But there we go. Scotty's getting petting.dog will be live, I hopefully, mm. by the time this comes out. Well, let's shout out Tori Hemsath right at the top here, too, right before we get in the stories. She is a, a very wonderful woman who designed the Bananas website, which we'll be launching oh, very yeah. shortly. And She's it's awesome. It's going to have our contact information, not our personal, just to get in touch with the pod. It's going to have our merch. It's going to have our tour dates, which in 2024, we're going to actually probably do more tour dates uh, than ever before. We're coming out there for you. But, uh, yeah, we're going to launch that website very shortly. And, you know, you don't have to, like, be a member or anything. You can just click on it when you're bored at work and you don't feel like entering data into spreadsheets. Yeah, baby. Thank you so much, Tori. Tori. She's been incredible to work with. Very talented young woman. Um, And when it actually launches, we'll put up a big thing so you can go. If you have any website work you need done, you can go to Tori. Pay the woman. Um, um, all right, Curdy B, let's do some stories and then, uh, you know, gab some more. Here it is. Partiers attempt to celebrate New Year's twice with flight between time zones accidentally land in wrong time zone. Uh, this is from The Bite by mm. Victor Tangerman. Ooh. <laughs> Best in the bins, that Tangerman. The Victor goes the Tangerman. <laughs> 
A group of travelers attempting to turn back the clock to ring in the new year twice got a rude awakening. In late December, United Airlines offered a flight from Guam to Honolulu, Hawaii, which takes just over seven hours and crosses the international date line. In effect, Good idea. passengers on board the plane technically lose a day, which means they could do the countdown to 2024 twice. You only yeah. live once, but you can celebrate New Year's Eve twice, the airline tweeted at the time. While yes. the trip was meant to land in Honolulu at 6.50 p.m. on December 31st, mm-hmm. local time, a lengthy delay forced passengers to land in the wrong year. The flight was a whopping six hours late because of a late inbound flight, which meant it landed 30 minutes after midnight. Wow. Yeah. They just missed it. I mean, they just missed it. Also, according to Travel Blog, one mile at a time, this specific flight has to be one of the most punctual flights in United System, being on time 95% of the time. The last wow. time it landed after midnight was on April 20th, according to the blog. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's just bad luck. I That's know. just pure bad luck. Um, there was also like, there was a couple other flights too, but on the, all those flights did pull it off. But also why at that point, do you get on the plane? Like, I just don't, you know, it's six. I, you know what the, you can do the math before you get on the plane, Run right? the numbers, run the numbers, you dimwits. But if that's yeah. your whole plan, that's your entire plan, right? Yes. It's a... Uh... I think I I think it's awesome. I don't know what the record. I'm sure somebody's probably celebrated like ten times going around the world. Also, I don't know how many time zones are there. Are there 24 time zones I, in this world? I think so. I do know because of a negative land song that the USSR, the former Soviet Union, had 11 mm. time zones. Interesting. Isn't that crazy? That's how that's how big it was. When I I spent a New Year's Eve with Kristen Shaw and Rich Blomquist mm-hmm. in Japan, in Tokyo. Oh, God, that must have been 2016-ish, somewhere around there. And their tradition there is you reflect on... It's very quiet. First of all, like if you like to party, do not go to Tokyo on New Year's Eve. It's Everybody leaves the city. They visit with family. There's a lot of prayer. They do a count up, where when it hits New Year's, they just start at one and go up. It was really fun, but their tradition is they eat hot soba noodles buckwheat noodles uh-huh. um and you reflect on the year so that's like the thing you get <laughs> and they recognize Kristen from movies or tv shows or whatever it was and so they room service delivered her as like a vip a giant bowl of delicious buckwheat noodles <laughs> and we were like all right <laughs> let's eat a bowl of noodles together <laughs> it's a beautiful tradition um, they don't have like a Dick Clark, Ryan Seacrest type of ball drop. Instead, they just have people praying and then they swung a giant log into a bell and then a bunch of people started to pray and that was that was on TV. Wow, really? There's no cheering whatsoever. No, except us. We cheered um, and we went to... Crass Americans. We, I know, we cheered. <laughs> uh, we went to, uh, on New Year's Day, we asked the concierge at the hotel, like, hey, where do you eat sushi? Yeah. Like, we don't need to go to the the famous ones. We're like, where do, where do you like it? And they were like, so reluctant to tell us because it's such a dingy place. Uh-huh. And it was like two blocks away. And you walk down these three little stairs and it was pretty run down. Like all tiles, fluorescent lights, crappy tables. And fish tanks, huge <gasps> fish tanks everywhere. Oh, my God. And um, we order fish. We order some sushi, and it was the most incredible sushi any of us had ever had, so we ordered more. And then at some point, this guy just comes out of the back with a net and scoops up a giant fish. And Kristen's like, oh, that's weird. What do you think he's... And then you just... <laughs> The realization comes to you that they're just watching themselves, and it felt so cruel. It felt like a horrible way to start New Year's. Oh, wow. Uh, but yeah, they were just netting them up and sushiing them right there. Whoa, that is so cool. Was it the most amazing sushi you've ever had? It was. We all went, we went three more times, including <laughs> I didn't get up as early. They left before I did, and they went one more time before taking the train out to the airport. Oh my so God. it was the best sushi we've ever had. But yeah, they, they were netting fish, and she's like, that's weird. Why do you think he's doing that? And then it just sunk in like, oh, that's we're why. monsters. We should be vegans. We should be vegans. I think the most yeah. amazing um, New Year's I've ever had when I've traveled, because I usually don't travel, was I went to New Orleans once. And oh, in yeah, this I did that once too. one, and this was two, 
2009, maybe? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I was, yeah, I think it was, two. I don't know, somewhere around there. It was, um, and they don't do this anymore, I've heard, but it was in Mid-City, and everyone sa- saves their Christmas tree, and then on New Year's Eve, everyone brings their Christmas tree into and puts it in a pile in the middle of this town square, kind of, like Great this Great idea. Sure. And then they and then they have like a little barrier around it and then they light the, like I don't know seemed it seemed like 500 Christmas trees on fire and it was a bonfire that I'm not kidding was fantastic. It it, it went it seemed to go 50 feet in the air and it was I probably bet. like 100 feet around. And it was just this entire neighborhood's Christmas trees and then everyone was just lighting off homemade uh um, like bottle rockets and stuff. <laughs> Great. It was Great. crazy. It was just things were flying everywhere. Fire was everywhere. People were shirtless running in circles around the, the bonfire. It was like yeah. the most uh, wild time. I was just yeah. like, I've never experienced life like this. And this is just the way New Orleans does it. And you can legally drink outside while yes. watching those yes. fires. Yes, and everyone was. It was amazing. So the moral of these two stories, Bananimals, is if you want to party, go to New Orleans <laughs> for New Year's Eve and do not go to Tokyo. But, you know, if you want to eat some hot buckwheat noodles and quietly reflect on the last year, boy, have I got a city for you. All right, Scott. That's awesome. I'm jealous of you. I wish I was. It was. I, I, I feel almost like it's, it wasn't real. Do you know what I mean? That's how amazing it was. Shout out to Atchafalaya, my favorite restaurant in New Orleans, which every single time I send somebody there when they're like, I need a wreck, they're like, best meal I've ever had. So shout out Atchafalaya. Uh, Christine Berger sent this in. Chinese chess champion loses title in poop scandal. Yay! We're starting 2024 off with a poop scandal. Is this the chess champion that was accused of using using AI-powered butt bead? But, but. Beads? Butt beads? Correct. Beads. I think there are now two uh, chess champions who have been accused of using electronic remote-controlled anal beads. Two? That, what, this is the second accusation? That, yeah, what's going on what's in chess? What's going on you know? in chess? <laughs> <laughs> what's going on? Also, are uh, they learning just... butt binary to be able to communicate? Or do they, like, no. touch certain ones and then it's like, I've played chess. Honestly, some remote control anal beads really would have spiced up the situation. It's, to me, a very boring game that I... Whenever I play, I lose in a way that I don't understand why, but the person tells me it's over, and I'm like, absolutely is. I'm out. Also, you know what's Um, interesting is that every article always says anal beads, mm -hmm. which I'm not a a connoisseur of anal beads and butt plugs. Sadly, me neither. But it does seem like a butt plug would be the better... The better choice, rather than beads, because you're going to be sitting with ha- what all the beads in your butt or half the beads in your butt. Whereas a butt plug, you can get a remote control butt plug. I'm pretty sure, and and vibrator or not, vibrate. and that's just that's just one and done. You cork it up, you play your game. But this, mm-hmm. it just I don't know why it's always beads, unless it's unless it's some sort of complicated like the biggest one vibrates. That that's means right. L seven. <laughs> the little one vibrates. That means something else. Yeah, it might be that. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of moves to make in chess. Um, <laughs> Newsweek, this was in Newsweek on Newsweek.com, written by Micah McCartney, who a lot of people say when it comes to anal beads and chests is the best in mm-hmm. the business. And he's uh, proud of that title. Yeah, and he will not be sending a strongly worded email to thebananaspodcast at gmail.com. Micah, we love you, bud. Um, the Chinese chess community is a buzz. Already good. Right. After a newly crowned tournament champion had his prize rescinded for defecating in a bathtub, the Chinese, oh, I think it's Zhangji, and I apologize if I'm getting that wrong, Zhangji Association said Monday, CXA. What? The incident sparked rumors the player had pulled off his victory with help of high-tech anal beads. There it is. There it is. We get right to it. That's why Micah is the best in the biz. After merging victorious in the final match of the tournament in Hainan province on December 17th, 49-year-old Yan Chang Long celebrated with a night of drinking with others in his hotel room, according to a CXA statement released after its investigation. Mm-hmm. After he checked out, hotel staff discovered excrement in the bathtub. Oh, come on. 
I mean, you got to think if you own a hotel and there's a chess tournament in town you don't that you're going to have the quietest, <laughs> <laughs> neatest, like anal retentive. The, we're going the other way. You're going to have people that make their own beds. Yeah. But maybe we don't understand what it takes to be a chess exactly. champion. Exactly. Like you really got to let loose in every way when you <laughs> win a chess championship. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Newsweek has reached out to the General Administration of Sport in China with a written requ- written request for comment. Uh-huh. Chinese chess, commonly known as elephant chess, which is why it's wow. Jiangxi, is one of the most popular board games in China with overseas. So it's a different type of chess. Oh. You know, Chinese, it's just a different board. It's a completely different board. I think so. I'm going to look it up. Uh, I have no idea. I saw a photo, and I, do, I, don't exp- I don't understand the chess we play in America, so... Good luck understanding Chinese chess, Scotty, with the dumb brain. Um, it's one of the most popular board games in China with overseas Chinese communities as uh, as well in Vietnam. It appeared in its current form during the Song Dynasty approximately a millennium ago. Yan, this is the chess player, the chess champion, Yan, damaged the hotel's public property, violated public order and good customs, and caused a negative impact on Chinese chess, which was very bad in nature, CXA said. After news of the incident broke, it became a hot topic on Chinese social media, Weibo, or Weibo, with netizens spreading the theory that Yan had used a type of wireless anal beads to cheat and later removed them in the tub. But, I mean, like, so easy to, to run the water and get... And get rid of this evidence. Couldn't be easier. Couldn't be easier. The best place to do this and clean it up. (laughs) This was supposedly achieved by squeezing sphincter muscles to transmit information about the match. So I think that goes into what you're saying, Curtis. He's squeezing, and it was alleged that a computer on the other end would then advise Yan on his next move by (laughs) transmitting a signal that caused those beads to vibrate instructions in a predetermined code. Ah, Wait a second. So there's no other person involved in this? He's directly communicating with a computer with his butthole? That's this what it sounds just, like to me. This is such a bananas story. This is right up bananas alley. This is perfect. That's what it is. He's got a he's got a, a robot that loves chest and reads butt clenches. Uh, yep. oh, man, I don't like, you know, this is beautiful. This is beautiful. This is the AI that we hoped exactly. for. You know, not the killer robots. We want a computer to launch your anal beads so hard up your butt that you just go, Rook to two nine or wherever. <laughs> also, who knew? Who knew that there were anal beads out there that were like that you could send messages from? <laughs> I bet some of our bananimals knew that. I have a feeling. Um Let's see. The CXA then announced it was revoking Yan's award in accordance with its disciplinary regulations. It also banned Yan from participating in any chess events for one year. The prize they took back was $14,000 American. So that's pretty good. That's a pretty good amount of money. Oh, that's a, yeah. Well, wait, did he, that got taken away because he got, he was proved he was cheating or because he took a dump in the bathroom? Tub. Took a dump in the bathtub. Oh, that Took just a that dump in the bathtub. Oh. it was the it, it all came down to the dump. Oh, interesting. Because um, so there was in no interview. proof because they couldn't find the computer and or the anal beads. The computer. Yeah, they couldn't ask the computer who's just like screaming. It's like a waking nightmare <laughs> for that computer. It's, awful. it's like I. It's all it I does. wanted to write poetry. <laughs> I'm so I'm so smart, and you're literally just sending butt clenches to me. I could read anything. <laughs> <laughs> Any control can be held in your hand or in your mouth <laughs> or with your feet, and you chose <laughs> vibrating anal beads. Uh, in an interview with China's Upstream News, which Come the on. irony runs, Great. I'm not kidding, the erstwhile, which I don't say enough erstwhile champions, said the incident was the result of a bout of diarrhea. Quote, I was a little happy, and I drank that night. I drank too much and had an upset stomach. Seems reasonable and to then me. The only unreasonable part is the bathtub part. <laughs> I hope Yan tries a dry sixty nine yeah. because it might just straighten that all out. Yeah. Um Yan told the news outlet he didn't have time to rinse the tub or alert the cleaning staff because he was rushed, really rushed. <laughs> this is where his story falls uh-huh. apart. Uh Yan, who reportedly served as the coach for the Henan 
uh, provincial chess team dismissed the allegations that he had cheated. I've been playing chess for over 40 years, and I love chess. Anyone who knows me knows that I can't cheat and that I do not need to, he said. Um, and here's the, the second person, Kurt. The fur recalls a similar unsubstantiated rumor last year that an American chess champion, Hans Niemann, used electronic anal beads. Apparently, these things are just flying around. They're flying around. Um, in his upset defeat of world champion Magnus Carlsen, yeah, that's it. So that's it. That's the sentence. Just second ends. time. Okay. That's what it ends on. Oh, I guess I could have said it like this: Hans Niemann used electronic anal beads in his upset defeat of world champion Magnus Carlson. <laughs> it just slows. You just slow down, and that is how news yeah. ends. That's how news yes. always ends. Just slow down, and that is what it is. Correct. I heard once in acting school that any time you go up. At the end of a sentence, uh-huh. it makes you sound like you're asking a question, and then it makes you less powerful. So if you want to sound more powerful, you just end down. Oh. Just go. That's what Gregory Peck, the actor, did. He would talk, and then he would finish here. Down. And everybody goes, oh, I like that. Well, man, I don't do it enough. Do I? Go down. Do I? <laughs> or do I? <laughs> or do I? Uh, are you ready for um, this one, Scotty? Or you got I love stories. No, hit me up. Tease us into a break. Yeah, baby. This was sent in by Papa Pajama Cat. Thank you, Papa Pajama Great Cat. Great name. And I this is this it sparks more questions than it answers. And that's what that's a yes. good headline. Police Department in Wisconsin. Mm. Is aware of situation involving guinea pigs at an apartment building. (laughs) Oh, good. I didn't see this one yet. This is fresh to my earballs, and we will be back with um, some furry fun on Bananas 2024. Folks, we are back, Scotty. You got any shout-outs? Yeah. Thanks to all the Bananimals who came out, especially to the Pittsburgh and Philadelphia shows at the end of the year. We had a wonderful time. Richmond, Brooklyn, Baltimore, awesome. That was a great East Coast run. And we're going to do the Midwest. We're going to do Seattle. Curdy B and I are trying to figure out how to do Alaska this year. Yeah. And we might have a big surprise coming up uh, soon. We're working on some logistics. Any hoozle. Um, shout-out, Gareth. Lauren Hoffman wants to shout out her hubby, Mark Hoffman. He's a children's book author, an illustrator, and an illustration professor. He's starting his 15th children's book, and Lauren and her son are so proud of Mark. So if you need a new kid's book, Google Mark Hoffman, and he has two books that he wrote and illustrated that she highlighted called Fruit Bowl. Nice. Great title for a kid's book. Or Dirt Cheap, which is another one. And support the lovely Hoffman clan. Uh, Thank you for listening, Lauren. And hopefully, Mark. Uh, Evan Alex wants to shout out her or their colleagues. Sorry, I didn't get the pronouns, Evan Alex, but we love you either way. For a uh, one-year anniversary at Achieve Health. Achieve Health specializes in LGBTQ medicine in Denver, and they're one of the fastest-growing LGBTQ plus clinics in Denver. Uh, so congratulations on the one-year anniversary of Achieve Health, and keep up the wonderful work everybody deserves health and medicine and cassandra griffin wants to shout herself out for graduating summa cum laude with a bachelor's degree in applied behavioral science she is 33 so it took her a while to get this degree uh also she was a stay-at-home mom um it was the hardest thing she's ever done but she's extremely proud of her accomplishment and so are we aren't we kurt yeah congratulations so cassandra griffin get that diploma framed put it somewhere where people can see that you did the damn thing and uh banana boys are very proud of you and that's all i got um and you might have noticed that the there is no uh we don't come out a week earlier on Wondery anymore because Exactly Right is no longer part of the Wondery network. So right Woo-hoo. now, we we as a Bananas episodes comes out, they come out at the same time for everybody regardless. Um, and there might be another option in the future, but for right now, That's that right. is the way it is. Just letting everybody happy. know. 
bananas ain't changing. We're not going anywhere. There's going to be more and more. And more and more and more. Here it is, Scotty. Hit me, buddy boy. Police department in Wisconsin aware of situation involving guinea pigs at an apartment building. This mm-hmm. was uh, this was on wearegreenbay.com, written by Devin Willems. Uh, police in southern Wisconsin are reportedly dealing with a, quote, situation involving guinea pigs at an apartment building. The Kudahai or Kudahay or Kudahi police department posted on its Facebook page about a situation involving guinea pigs at the apartment building on South Lake Drive. The police said they understand that several citizens are concerned for the welfare of the guinea pigs. Officials mm-hmm. say they spoke with the owner of the guinea pigs and asked that MADAC, Milwaukee Animal Domestic Animal Control, respond, but they reportedly will not respond for guinea pigs. <laughs> this is so crazy. Right. They are. The release mentions that the police made suggestions to the owner of the animals, but those suggestions have not been well received. The owner of yes. the building has reportedly been notified. Officials said the guinea pigs appeared to be in good health. Police asked residents, do not disturb the property owners or try and take the guinea pigs. <laughs> right. This is the whole article. Okay? <laughs> that is the whole yeah. article. And here is the, the post on the Facebook page, which at first I was like, oh, this is a thing that police departments sometimes do. They'll like post something funny that happened and it's like kind of like PR for the police department or whatever. This does seem to be simply like a police blotter announcement on their Facebook page. Which I love. Yes, me too. Good evening, Kudahi or Kudahai or Kudahi. Uh, or cut cutahi. We're all sure. well. Aw- okay, here it is. We're well aware of the situation. <clears throat> we are well aware of the situation involving the guinea pigs at the apartment building, and we understand that a number of our citizens are concerned for the welfare of the guinea pigs. We, inspection and the health department, have all spoken with the owners of the guinea pigs. We also requested that Maddox respond. Unfortunately, they will not respond for guinea pigs. We have made suggestions to the owners of the guinea pigs. These suggestions have not been well received. Last, the owner of the building has been notified. The guinea pigs appear in good health and will be brought inside periodically by their owner. Please do not disturb the property owner. Please do not attempt to take the guinea pigs. We are aware of other social media pages where some are suggesting stealing the guinea pigs. Don't steal the guinea pigs. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I Me don't know. Neither. I guess guinea pigs are being kept outside, but where are guinea pigs being kept outside that's like on display in some way? Yeah, Is it a- that sounds so enjoyable and, and pleasant. I would love to like have a long day, take a long walk, and just stop and watch the, the guinea pigs running around. <laughs> what a nice moment. What a zen garden that would be. Yeah, I understand if it's Wisconsin in January, maybe it's not great, but I don't know what guinea pigs... Look, do we know what guinea pigs did in the wild? Maybe that was their ideal situation. A Wisconsin January day. Oh, yeah. They are an Well, they're from the Andes Mountains. They're from the Andes, I think. Totally cold? I I don't really know a ton about guinea pigs myself. I never had a pet guinea pig. You never did. And I don't think I knew anybody who did. I didn't either. Did you? I never had a guinea pig. I definitely had hamsters. I had gerbils. Um... And I remember specific, and hamsters and gerbils are fine, but if you want, if Mm. you want a pet for your kid or for yourself Mm. that is in that area, a rodent-type pet that's cute, adorable, and loving, you get yourself a rat. A rat? I had a pet rat. I I had multiple pet rats, and they are so intelligent and loving and caring. It's so enjoyable. Rats are wonderful. They're really. Great I had a pet. white. I had a white rat. That was like it was going to be a lab rat. Yeah. We raised it from when it's really small. Where when we were kids, we thought they turned from a mouse to a rat because they're so small <laughs> and we're very stupid children. His name was Cal Ratkin after Cal oh Ripken, the great Classic Orioles baseball Baltimore. player. It was white with red eyes, yep. and we had that thing for a while, and it was a great pet. Oh my god! I just realized that my rat was named Gus. Boy, this is that. a bombshell! Look at you. It was named after. An animal in a Disney thing, I think. I think there's sure, a Cinderella, Gus, Gus, Gus. Yeah, Gus, Gus. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a rat, right? Or is that a mouse? Yeah, he's the cute one. He's kind of got a dopey voice. Yeah, he's cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, here we go. This is so this. Anyway. I'm on Wikipedia.com, okay. which is very. It's a free encyclopedia online. You guys should check it out. It's pretty neat. 
They ask for $2.75 every year. Every year, and I've give, already given, and they still ask me. Absolutely. How many uh, more despite- $2.75 do you need, Wikipedia? <laughs> yeah, get over yourself. <laughs> despite their common name, guinea pigs are not native to Guinea. Uh, nor are they closely related biologically to pigs. Uh-huh. Uh, the origin of the name is still unclear, oh. so they don't know why they're called guinea pigs. <laughs> they originated in the Andes Mountains in South America. Studies cold. based on biochemistry and hybridization suggest they are domesticated animals that do not exist naturally oh. in the wild. Interesting. They are descendants of a closely related cavey species um, and were originally domesticated as livestock. As livestock? I think they eat them down there. People be people be milking guineas. People be milking guineas. <laughs> like, like, yeah, there. So it sounds like they were not. They do not exist as you, we know them All as right. those cute little things in nature. Well, who do? I want to apologize to everyone who, for a moment, was imagining herds of guinea pigs running through a beautiful alpine forest. Uh, I apologize yeah. that that never happened, but we could make hey. it happen because remember, guys. Yep, we can in, we can put species where they don't belong because we've done it for a long time. We're not a big fan of invasive species, but we do no, no, no admire their pluck. And if yep. we could f- figure out a way that we could release a bunch of guinea pigs into a place where they would live for more than twenty four hours, maybe that yeah. dream can be a reality. They're already putting. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to be putting uh, mammoths in the Siberia soon. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Mammoths? That's the name They're of trying. Yeah. yeah, we did that in 2020. And there is a company that's trying to bring back woolly mammoths. Yeah. And they have a whole... They have the DNA. Yeah. I think they can do it. I mean, they're bringing back they the dodo bird. They just got to get somebody brave enough to put I'm it in an four. elephant. Sorry. Go ahead. Mm. <laughs> yeah. They'll find somebody. They'll probably yam the chess player. He'd love to exterminate that. <laughs> why doesn't... Exactly. You were saying, why don't they bring back the dodo bird? Yeah. Yes. But they, well, no, they are. They are bringing what? it back. Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. Like, I can understand. They bring in the woolly mammoth back technically because they're like something about the permafrost, the tundra. They need it to flip over logs or something. But why a dodo bird? Isn't it like the ultimate useless animal? I th- I don't know. I mean, if man call, I think anything that man calls to extinct, if they can re-release it and and let it go and yeah. then flourish. Yeah. I um after our Pittsburgh show, I stayed for. I had a later flight that day, and I didn't want to just go to like a coffee shop or a bar mm-hmm. and like just kill time. I wanted to like do some Pittsburgh stuff, but it was cold. It actually started snowing. I was like, Whoa. okay, I'm not gonna just walk around. But I ended up going to the National Aviary in Pittsburgh. Oh wow! Okay. It is so fun if you ever take the kids up there. But it was a. I went on like a Monday at like one p.m., so it was actually really empty. And it's all these nice uh, older women who maybe retired or whatever. This is their second job. But every room I walked into, it would be like myself, uh, a parent and child, and then one of the tour guide women that worked there. And I was like, a lot of birds, you know? And they'd be like, yeah. And I'm like, well, tell me about them. And they were like, yes. They were so yeah. excited to yeah. have like a solitary man. And they're pointing out all these birds. It's it's just such a fun place to go. But in this one room, which is like a tropical rainforest that I spent an hour just looking around, the, the woman that worked there was, it, was as, like... Wait, wait. Is it that large that you can spend an hour or did you really... You could easily spend an hour. Oh, really? It wasn't that you yeah. were like looking at every leaf? Uh, you No, there's like five or six rooms and there's a couple wow. wings. It's the only national aviary in the United States. I've, there are other aviaries, but this one is like everything. Okay. Uh, and they have birds walking around. They just walk up to you. They're on the railings. It's really That's pretty cool. great. But they had these extinct in the wild birds from Guam that I think were called rail, Guam rails or rail hatchings or rail something. And they're kind of like little guineas. And um, they would just run circles on the outside of the tropical rainforest room. And she's like, those are the only ones that we're breeding them to try to get them back out into the world and like make them position them to be successful in the wild. And I was just looking at them like... This is a Pixar movie, one. Uh-huh. But also, isn't that so fascinating that there are these creatures that are only there that if they do it correctly, they can reestablish them yes. into the real world. I love I think it. It's cool. I think it's awesome. I love that so much. 
Also, what um, it made me think is like, I can't wait to retire and be yeah. able to go and just work at a place where <clears throat> I'm paid like almost nothing, but to yeah. do something like that, like where you just have yeah. like three days a week from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., yeah. I go to the aviary and talk to people about birds or whatever it is. Yes. I love that idea. They were so, in- they were awesome. They, these were beyond volunteers. Like, I think these were employees who really cared about these birds, and they would point out the sloth. They have one little sloth that was balled up in the corner. She's like, It's kind of rare to see it this time of day. Oh. Like, is that so? Uh, and then, of course, like the last thing you see are these giant condors outside in the freezing cold. They seem to be fine. And they just put a box of food out there, which is like whatever they feed them. Yeah. And you just see these two baby condors just going wild. And I was like, this is the best little, like, it was probably my favorite thing I've done post-show. Oh, that's great. Since we started doing Bananas Lives. It was so damn fun. Remember when we went to that aviary, or no, was it an aviary? No, it was a uh, botanical gardens in Fort Wayne, in in Indianapolis. Indianapolis? Yeah, when we did that show. That was fun. That was nice. Very pleasant. That was fun, but... Where it was all those, there were school kids taking like prom, prom photos, photos or. And all these moms with professional grade po- point and shoot cameras. Yeah. In a way that I've never seen. It's uh, everyone had like the same gigantic camera. And I was like, these yeah, are all. Yeah, big canon. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what is this? What is happening? They don't have phones? It's just so fascinating. So our apologies to the graduating class of uh, 2020 for Kurt and I being in the... Or 2021 for two laughable, uh, drunk-faced men standing in the background of your weird biodome photos with your prompt. But they were... All those kids were jacked up. You could tell that was the thing. Like, you go there, and you go to the flower garden, and you take photos. Oh, man. That's so good. You should join the Parks Department. I could... You would be... The greatest park ranger in the history of park rangers. I'm ready to go right now. I will retire from comedy. I'm done. I'm done. I'm ready. I was talking to the actress, our friend Mae Whitman. I was like, hey, I want to write something for you. What kind of character do you want to play? She goes, I want to be a park ranger. And I was like, done. I love this idea. (laughs) Maybe I'll try to figure out something for you and Mae where it's like a... um, uh, Parks and Rec or The Office. Oh, that's but it's awesome. Just park Rangers. I love that. Who doesn't love the national parks? Um, here, we got sent this by a few people, including Hero McNulty, who came to our Baltimore show and our Pittsburgh show. Thank you, Hero. Um, one of the greatest names you'll ever hear in your life. And he, and it was, and he was very Mark excited. Schaefer. He was very excited. Yeah, he was he was like, I'm Hero McNulty. We're like, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for coming. Love, it's on my list of great names. Um, and Mac Schaefer, I think it is Schaefer. Uh, if it's Schaefer, sorry, Mac. Uh, also sent this in. 13-year-old gamer becomes the first yes. to beat the unbeatable Tetris by breaking it. And it, I um, saw this video. It is very adorable. I watched it too because I wanted to see what happened on screen. Yeah. Like, it's it's pretty uneventful. Um, From I screen-wise, wish, yeah. <laughs> screen-wise. Hey, the, the kid's incredible. <laughs> um, this was in the Associated Press, written by Dave, uh, David Hamilton, who knows falling bricks better than anybody on planet Earth. He is the best in the beeswax. All right, I want San the details. Francisco. I want to find out how long this took. Uh, you got it, buddy. San Francisco, the falling block video game, Tetris, has finally met its match with 13-year-old Willis Gibson. Great name. Great name also. Um, who was who has become the first player to officially beat and beat as in quotes mm-hmm. the original Nintendo version of the game by breaking it? Technically, Willis, aka Blue Scooty, in the gaming <laughs> world, hey, that should be my name, um, made it to what the gamers call a kill screen, a point in which the Tetris code glitches, crashing the game. That might not sound like very much of a victory to anyone thinking that only high scores count but it's a highly coveted achievement in the world of video games. And records involve pushing hardware and software to their limits and beyond. <laughs> it's also a very big deal for players of Tetris, which when you got the original Nintendo system, for all of our Gen Z listeners, if you were a millennial or a Gen Xer, when you got Nintendo, you either got Super Mario and Duck Hunt with the zapper mm-hmm. gun, or you got Tetris. Yeah. And 
Every, and parents love Tetris. Every, Everybody. Parents played Tetris. Also, the, there's a, there is a game. movie on Netflix called Tetris, which is about the rights to sell Tetris in America. And it's fascinating. It's a crazy, oh, crazy a story. There's a good pitch. Check it out. Um, it's a big deal for players of Tetris, which many had long considered unbeatable. Uh, again, a 13-year-old did this. That's partly because the game doesn't have a scripted ending. Those four block shapes that keep falling, no matter how good you get at stacking them into disappearing rows, top players continue to find ways to extend their winning streaks by staying in the game to reach higher and higher levels. But in the end, the game beat them all. Until... Willis, on December 21st, 2023, triggered a kill screen on level 157. Crazy. In the video, these blocks, for anybody who's played Tetris, they are falling at the fastest. Like, I started giggling because I couldn't even identify the shape yeah. of the thing, and he was already slamming it into place. It's wild. Uh, Willis is that dude. Uh, Willis managed to trigger the kill screen on level 157, which in the gaming world takes over as a victory of the game. Something along the lines of, again, pushing software to its limits. The makers of Tetris agree. Congratulations to Blue Scooty uh, for achieving this extraordinary accomplishment. Tetris celebrates its 40th anniversary this year. Wow. And called Willis's victory a monumental achievement. Let me see if I could find how many time how long it took him and he was like live streaming it too while he did it yes it's really crazy um stack rabbit which managed to make it all the way to level 237 before crashing the game ran off a modified version of tetris so that doesn't count uh but that let human players take over the task of mapping all possible scenarios that could cause such crashes in the original game these typically resulted when a game's decade old uh, decades old code lost its place and began reading its next instructions from the wrong location which i guess to coders means something uh-huh to the layman like me means nothing. Um, uh, so yeah, they had a huge compilation of a large spreadsheet that detailed which game levels and which specific conditions were most likely to lead to a crash. That is what compelled our dude, Willis, who's going to be Banana of the Week, whether he wants to yeah. be or not, to make the run for this record. Yet he even appeared shocked, and he did, when he crashed yes. the game at level 157. In his live stream video, he appears to hyperventilate before gasping, oh my God, several times, <laughs> clutching his temples and worrying he might be passing out. <laughs> After cupping his hands over his mouth in an apparent attempt to regulate his breathing, he finally exclaims, I can't feel my fingers. <laughs> He's this very Fantastic. much an excited 13-year-old. Yes, I don't have the amount of time it took him. Oh. But also, it might not have taken that long. Those blocks are falling. I think he, he was leveling up pretty So what I understood fast. it to be was that it tapped out because it got to 999,999. And at that point, there's, since there's no place for the one, the code yeah. crashes. That could be true. Yeah, that's what I read. That could be true. Oh, man. Good for that kid. Congratulations. Willis Gibson. Way to go. 13 years old. Nailed it. We can't see what you accomplished yeah. next. We can't when wait I, to see what other games you destroy. When I was uh, 12, uh, you know, I was a September baby. Yeah. So I was, and my parents didn't like hold me back or whatever. So I was usually like younger than the other kids in my classes, uh-huh. just even by nine months. But when you're hitting puberty yeah, and stuff, that matters. It's a long time. And when I was, it was, we had a field day, I think in like, uh, God, it must have been sixth or seventh grade. So I was like one of the younger guys and some of the dudes had already hit puberty. And field day for our bananas around the world is like a day in American schools where you participate in a bunch of different games like obstacle courses or kickball or shuttle runs yeah. or whatever your school does. And, you know, I don't know how it goes anymore, but used to get like ribbons. And basically it was a day off school to get outside and exercise. And it was pretty fun. And I used to be very fast. I was a very fast runner as a, as a little banana. And uh, But I, like I said... <laughs> I for sure had not hit puberty, and my buddy Vinny definitely had. He had like that horrible mustache, that <laughs> yeah, yeah. Te- like thirteen-year-old boys get, and he was just had armpit hair. Where you're like, well, you're a grown man; yeah. you should be uh, eating cigars and <laughs> eating whiskey all the time. 
And so it got to the end of the day, and the last thing was every class would do from K to 8th um, at my little Catholic school, every class would do a sprint for the 100-yard dash. Okay. And so I got to my grade, and you know the, the 10 fastest people from all the groups got to go, and Vinny and I tied for first. So they were like, no tiebreakers. And like, you know, like literally the sun is starting to set. So they line us up again a second time. The whole school's watching. Oh my God. We run again and we tie. Oh my and God. And I am running, I am half his size and I'm just running, arms pumping as hard as I can and barely tying him. And I just knew I was toast. Yeah. Like I knew I couldn't beat him a third time. And so we line up for the third time and people are cheering us on and like all my friends are there and and now the parents are there in the parking lot watching us run for a third foot race and I just knew I was going to lose. And I actually think this is the exact moment I became a comedy writer. They hit the air horn for us to go and I intentionally took two steps and then did a front flip and landed flat on my back and like spread my legs out like Snow Angel and Vinny won and he got the blue ribbon (laughs) and I got the red ribbon. But everybody laughed so hard at me, like intentionally doing this front flip and like backing. Yeah. That like people didn't really care that Vinny won. Like everybody kind of came over to me and like helped me up and was laughing and patting me on the back. And the parents were like giving me the thumbs up. That was so funny. (laughs) And I think looking back, that that is the moment that like I realized that being funny was such was more valuable than anything else being fast (laughs) yeah yeah than anything else so i like chose comedy in that moment over like sprinting or like i don't know physical achievement i suppose and i really do think that that was a moment where i was like make a bold choice make a bold choice do something crazy do something crazy that completely changed the direction of my entire life oh my god i love learning this yeah i think it was that third race with the sun setting this Uh, is gonna be this is i can see this as like a Maybe chapter one of your memoir. Yeah. Head over heels, chapter one. (laughs) But it really was, I knew I was going to lose, so I decided to win in my own dumb way, and it worked. Oh, Oh, I love that. Take that as your lesson into 2024, folks. Mm. We did Mm -hmm. it. First, bananas of 2024. Yeah. What a delight. Thank you, Scotty. Yeah, buddy, it's so good to see you. I want to go camping with you, even if it's just for a night in the next, you know, month or so. I would love to. I gotta get. I gotta get out there. Yeah, that's what I'm. I'm hearing that you got to get out. So let's just go up to one of the places we've been before and just do a night. Love it, buddy. All right. Thanks to all the bananas. You can always leave us five star reviews on Apple, Google, Amazon, wherever you get yeah. your podcast. We really, really appreciate when you do that. And thanks to Katie Levine, our wonderful producer and engineer, Lisa Maggot, our full human part time employee, and to everybody at Exactly Right who supports the Banana Boys. Happy 2024. Happy 2024. Bananas. <laughs> Bananas is an Exactly Right Media production. Our producer and engineer is Katie Levine. The Catchy Bananas theme song was composed and performed by Kahan. Artwork for Bananas was designed by Travis Millard. And our benevolent overlords are the great Karen Kilgariff and Georgia Hardstark. And Lisa Maggot is our full human, not a robot intern. Bananas. Bananas.